Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 47 of the Kratom Sobriety Podcast. This week's interview is going to be with Laureen, who I have not had the pleasure of meeting. So I'm super excited to hear this interview. And maybe, Charlie, you can tell us some more about that. Thanks, Decima. Laureen had, at one point, she had 11 months off. And then she found herself falling back into the grips of Kratom. She at one point was very pro-Kratom and involved in that community. She even gave her teenager some Kratom for pain relief. Fast forward 10 years later, she has a much different point of view and tells us about her most recent quit. So today I thought we could read listener email who gives us a different perspective. This is from T and he writes, and this is a couple of minutes, so bear with me as I read this. Hey guys, I just quit four years of 20 grams per day habit over a week, and my journey was quite easy. Honestly, all the horror stories on your podcast and Reddit's Quitting Kratom group actually made me use for over a year longer, as I thought I need to have a week or two to waste and be a total mess. Few easy quits I heard did more for my quitting than all the horror stories, which just scared the crap out of me. I thought, maybe my journey won't be so bad like these guys I heard who didn't suffer through it. And that was the case. Fortunately, I'm not saying that people exaggerate, but everybody is different. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that need encouragement rather than fear-mongering to make the jump. And if you want to hear more, I'd love to be on your podcast. And he is welcome. Hopefully, we'll schedule something later on. So, Decima, any thoughts hearing this email? It's an interesting perspective, to say the least, and I'm going to try not to be totally dismissive of this person's perspective, but I do have a couple of opinions on this, so I, I will say we're all responsible for our intake of whatever media, social media, whatever it is that we ingest. I can't imagine taking myself to an NA or AA meeting letting these people know that, hey, you guys are causing me harm because your stories are, I'm just going to keep using, or you're making me too scared to quit. Like I picture myself running around the house, bitching my husband out for having donuts because I can't lose weight because he keeps buying donuts. I don't know. And on the same hand, you can't take everybody's story as your own either. It is important to hear both sides. So what do you think about this, Charlie? I have more to say, but I'm going to let you have a chance. (laughs) Doing this for 10 or so months, there is a valid criticism that the fear of withdrawals are sometimes worse than the actual withdrawals. And I know that early on, yep, yeah. And there is a mindset. Mindset is a big deal. Early on, I did say, don't doom scroll the Reddit quitting Reddit, subreddit, because there is some horror story. There can be a psyching out of you. But I will attest, and as I told the person by email, that I'm convinced that everybody that told their story on our podcast were was true, and there wasn't any incentives to like make it sound worse than it really was. Everybody's experience is different, and some I have found it went better than they thought, and then others who it went worse than they thought. And most of the people that we've interviewed so far, they had to quit multiple times. And the reason that they had to quit multiple times was they found it was really hard and withdrawals were hard or it was easy to relapse. 
So I do recommend everybody, you know, if you have, if you want to quit, don't delay in first off, I'd say wrap a taper, you know, do your full dose today, go send it tomorrow on day two, 50% on day three, 25% jump on day four and see how that goes. Cause some people, it isn't that bad. Yeah. Fear mongering is harsh. I think you brought up a really great point when you mentioned that we, a lot of us have had to quit several times and personally for myself, and I've heard this from others that I've interviewed and in the group, not every time that I've quit has been the same. There have been times when it was nearly painless and there have been times when it was pure hell. You also have to look at it like when you're looking, if you've ever read Google reviews, business reviews, company reviews on Glassdoor, people tend to tell their stories more when they're bad. You know what I'm saying? So you got to keep that in mind. So it's good that those stories are out there because the people that do go through that, it does help them a lot. And I just feel like you should be so thankful that you didn't have to go through that. To call us fear mongers, I do take a little bit of offense to that. Not going to lie. I'm not going to take it personal, but yeah, that was the one thing I did quibble with them. And it's weird. Quitting Kratom, it's a little bit, there's a little bit like a divorce, both internally and externally. And when I hear somebody talk about their divorce, it's always the other partner's fault. And the other partner is Love like all bad. And this is excluding domestic violence situations and things like this. But in most marriages, both parties are guilty. They're both parties were not angels. Just as the same thing with if somebody's saying uh, it was all me and they're acting like a doormat. And I think there's public relations battle about in Kratom because of its legal status where people want to really lean into that it's the user's fault all the time. And I think comments like this are reflective. It's like people take pick sides in the divorce. When Obviously, your family of origin, in most cases, is going to take your side unless you're a really horrible person. And the last thing, it reminds me a little bit of your last interview with John. It reminds me, it's a little bit still a love letter to Kratom. Some of us go through a stage where we're still see some benefit with Kratom and we don't want to throw it completely under the bus. I get that. So I do have a message for T. What I would like to say to you, T, is, first of all, I'm so glad that it was not as hard for you as it has been for others. And I hope that if you ever do find yourself in the crutches of Kratom addiction again and you have to quit again, that it is not as hard as what a lot of us had ha have had to go through. Please don't doubt that it is like that for some of us and i'm sorry if that did scare you your feelings are valid but i would love to chat with t more about this to be honest yeah he's welcome to come and hopefully he'll be on a future interview because we do want a diverse point of perspectives and and i'm in talks with a couple people use kratom successfully the same level and and it's not wrecking havoc in their life so we do want not everybody gets addicted to kratom not everybody's Kratom withdrawals are hell, and it's not like some misinformation operation we're running here to make Kratom sound worse than it is. But in terms of recovery, yes, everybody's experiencing me different. And please don't let a horror story on this podcast prevent you from giving it a jump. Yeah, there's a popular saying in recovery, don't throw the baby out with 
bathwater. If you didn't find our podcast helpful, hey, that's okay. Not everything is for everybody, but if there was something positive you can get from it, that's wonderful. We wish you all the best, T. And yes, now for our interview with Lori. Welcome to this week's interview. We have Lori with us. How are you doing, Lori? I'm doing pretty good. Trying every minute to be better. (laughs) Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes. My name is Lori, and I have been using since the year 2016. And I've struggled so hard quitting and starting and quitting and starting. And now I'm happy to say that I have quit since January 5th this year. And that will be my last time because it was hell. Why don't we rewind a little bit and just tell us a little bit about your most previous quits? I'll start like when I first started using. Sure. And I remember I had frozen shoulders and both shoulders, which really sucks because it's limited use. And I was getting a buttload of Vicodin, but in my past, I really loved Vicodin and all those fun pills. So it got to the point where I was getting like 90 of, and I just didn't want to go that route again. I could see me going back, taking the pills and just not a good thing. So I just Googled what's Vicodin that takes out pain, makes you feel the same. And Kratom came. So within literally 15 minutes, I went to the smoke shop. I went to get some and the guy, he's, I told him that I was taking Vicodin from my shoulders still then take big spoonfuls of it and I'm like <laughs> so I came home and I took it and a lot of people say they didn't really feel it in the beginning or they made it made them sick but I it made me euphoric I loved it from the very beginning I remember I just thought that the world was mine that this stuff is like coffee and tea and so then I went and I like shared it with everybody, all my friends, like, oh my God, try this, especially my friends that are suffering from taking pills. And even what's the creepiest thing I think is I was so like confident into to thinking this shit was safe that my daughter at 13 had some kind of pain or something from sure leading. And I gave her some. And I think, mother, it's just creeps me out to know that I was just so naive on it to give my baby some of that shit. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think you're alone there. And especially 2015, there was a lot less information available. And I was one of those people too, that the first couple of times I took it, I, I thought it was like a fake supplement that was ineffective, like some of the other kinds of things you might buy and it didn't work for me. But yeah. And then from there, how did things progress? So I was doing it. I was living in the Bay Area. And by then I had, after a while, I like resourced that it was Southeast Asia and I found connects and I got, ended up getting like kilos mailed to me because I just do that. If I like something, I'm going to get to the source and make it big. (laughs) So So you were importing it yourself? Yeah, I met this guy named and my first sign that I'm thinking, oh, this might not be good is 
because I asked him, I said, how do you, one, do you like the red vein or something? He goes, oh, we don't do that here. And I'm like, they're growing it and they're, their lifeline, but they don't do it. You know what I mean? That made me like question. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, times goes by. It was about probably like a year and a half after using it. And I was in Tahoe at October and having a good time. And I was sitting in a chair and I was trying to get a selfie and I had the camera up and all of a sudden I like looked at the top of my head and all my hair was gone. And I could tell that like I could tell it was looking weird, but I just didn't connect it. And then all of a sudden, it's, God, there was like bald spots and I'm freaking out. And so I Googled, like I had a pro Kratom Facebook for Kratom. So I Googled, I said, has anyone lost their hair? And then I got so much shit. Oh my God, it's not the Kratom. You probably have some disease, some underlying condition. You just got just, just beat up, like, because... They don't want, they want to protect their heroin, which <laughs> they don't want any. Yeah. Call it. There's a strong culture is don't snitch on Kratom and just so common the hair loss. It's ubiquitous. Now, and now again, in some pro Kratom chat rooms, you'll see you need to take, they'll admit there is some, but they'll say you have to hydrate and you have to take these four supplements to prevent it. Oh, and of course, buy only pure, unadulterated from the best vendors. Because they'll, they'll still blame it. So you bought some gas station. Right. Kratom, instead, of, instead of just saying, yes, the mechanism of the hair loss is unknown. Exactly. Is it hormonal? Is it a reduction of vitamins and other your processing of nutrients that you need? But is it dehydration or is it all the above? And some Kratom does have toxic metals in it, too. So it's probably some combination of all that. But anyway, so that was your first, that was your, went against the grain there in the Facebook pro Facebook group. And that was one of your first clues of some backlash there. And after the hair loss, what happened? That's the first time I attempted to quit. I'm like, okay. this stuff is not good. I'm losing my hair. And I'm thinking my skin was looking a, a little off too, like grayish. And I tried to quit and it was hell. Like, I just remember that first time and I remember my legs, like, just so restless and just so horrible. And I I was like, F this, I can't do it. So I ended up back on Kratom, but then I got hair supplements, <laughs> thinking that'll be just fine. And so then I dabbled, trying, thinking of quitting back and forth. And then I moved to Oregon and I was like, I want a fresh start. I don't want to be doing this crap. So I quit again, and this time it lasted for 11 months. And the thing I did is I had a box from way past, like from a while ago, and I would take a little itty-bitty piece of it, and I was microdosing. And I, it was hard, but I made it through. I did it. The months were going by. I was feeling better. I was having more energy. I was able to take some classes that I had been wanting to forever and getting uh, getting ready. I lived in Astoria and I was getting ready to move here to Portland. So getting all my ducks in a row. And then when it was moving day, I was like, because I have really bad ADHD. So uh, moving just makes me lose my shit. I just, I don't even know what to do. So I was like, I wonder if I just, dabble <laughs> and just do a little bit which 
you know where that goes to. Yeah. And then <laughs> it started back up the, when you were microdosing, did you just microdose to deal with the withdrawals or did you just like throughout that 11 months, you take little bits of Suboxone, like when you had cravings? What I did with the Suboxone, I did it to get off the withdrawal. Okay. Um, so I just used little pieces for a little while. I don't, I'm not a fan of Suboxone. I think it's like super addicting. And I never even, I didn't even really think it helped with the cravings. It's just, I'm just not a fan of it. So I mainly, I just did that for a couple of weeks. And then I did the mushrooms, which that's, I was just introduced to that here in Oregon, the mushrooms. And so it seemed to work out well. I, and I still microdose. I really, I like that. It's a good feeling. Of the mushrooms? Yeah. 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 And I can relate to the moving thing. I remember one time about four months before I quit, I had a friend coming into town and my house was just a mess. And, and my teenager had smashed up the Jeep that I had bought. That's a mistake. Don't ever buy a car for a, a male teenager that you have any attachment. It was a 98. It was a beater, but uh -huh. it, it had a soft top and I didn't spend a lot of money on it, but I liked it. I should, I should have bought a Honda or a Toyota with 200,000 miles for the same amount of money that I wouldn't have cared about. Anyway, so that happened. And then my buddy was coming to town. I, this was before I had a daily habit, but I did totally relate. I had to clean the house up and let me work like five hours straight without a break and not have to deal with my emotions about the smashed up Jeep that I had. After you moved, you did that move. How, what happened after that, after that 11 month break? I was, I was keeping it better and control a little better, but then I started, instead of the powder, I started using the, the strong kind of tinctures, the extracts. And so I would just buy one take a little bit and after work, take the whole thing. And then all of a sudden I'm just like back in that crate of hell where you mm -hmm. know, you're not having energy. You're trying to take it for energy, but it's not giving you energy. So you try to take more and it's just not doing it. And I, I was like, I really need to quit. This is ridiculous. I'm going back and forth. I'm older and people are dying, literally dying from it. And so this time I thought I'll do it differently. Called the doctor and he suggested to do the Suboxone because I wanted to do, I wanted to end up on naltroxone because that really helps. Like it takes that flatline part of your head and it just gives it a little ripple. It's not as bad like with naltroxone. But in, yeah. in order to get to take naltroxone, you have to not be on any opiate for 10 days. So, I'm set where I have the Suboxone and then I had a bottle of naltroxone and I was doing little bitty pieces of the Suboxone, so small. And I was visiting my daughter in New York and then I came back and I didn't do any at all for two days. And I thought, that's good. And I don't feel like I'm coming down off it. I'm going to take a naltroxone. <laughs> and then my body went into immediate withdrawal sy syndrome. If you mix the opiates with with naltroxone, if you mix them together. My yeah, precipitated withdrawals. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. Freaking terrifying. My legs were like noodles. My whole body, I thought I was going to totally die. I, They're like, oh, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. And I'm like, I can't drive. Like, I can't even see straight. And then I'm like, I don't want to call an ambulance. And so I finally was able to talk to a doctor 
and they're like, take the Suboxone and it will get rid of it. I wish I would have known that hours beforehand. So I took the Suboxone and finally it went away. And it was, that was like the worst withdrawal. I just came this. So then I'm thinking, now what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I really want to quit. I, as of talking to, with a doctor, I also had been talking to a therapist on addiction. And she suggested go to detox because that way you go to detox, it'll be all out of your body and then you'll be able to take your stuff. No toxin. I contemplated it and then I just decided it was probably the best thing to do. Just go in somewhere, get it all out. So I go there at seven in the morning mm-hmm. into the detox and the this girl that she was sitting by me, she was really drunk. She was hammered and she was going in for alcohol. And then I get, it's like jail. You, you take all your clo- clothes, you wear like scrubs, you have beds and it's, it's very jail filly-ish if I ever went to jail I'm sure it was it would be like that was so, it like it, it was a public detox it wasn't a fancy private detox yeah no fancy there for sure <laughs> so but I'm still cool with it it's whatever it's an experience as long as I get this shit out of my body and then I'm able to tell take no trucks in so I go there like I have to take all my clothes off the only thing I could keep was my underwear my bra wear their smocks and then get assigned to a bed like it was there was like probably 20 beds in this full room and so you're hearing people like moaning groaning snoring and and as as when you get off kratom it takes like three days to really feel the suffering like the first day sucks you're uncomfortable second day but the third day to me that's when the restless leg syndrome hits and shit hits the fan literally <laughs> you're just like just Dying. So we check in and the girl that was pretty drunk, she was like next to me. And then another girl was next to me and they were, it was all drinking. And um, so we check in, we take medicine. I don't know what they gave me, but I like slept that whole day. And then when I woke up, I was starting to feel like getting a little withdrawing and they're like serving cakes, like chocolate cake and spicy pasta. And I'm like, man, I just, going through withdrawal that's just the worst i do rice rice and yeah and so then what they did is like they would go around like every i think it was like every four hours they would administrate medication and if i was sleeping they would pass me and so i wouldn't get any medication for four hours and and the thing is because they didn't know what the hell kratom was like they didn't understand it, that it, I should have just said opiates because mm-hmm. they didn't know how to treat me. They just, so I was there Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, then I could feel my legs were starting to get restless. And so I'm like, I have, do you guys have anything for restless? And they're like, they didn't. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. They don't have anything that's accommodating to me withdrawing. And, and so then by the third day too, all the girls that went in there for drinking, they're all done with theirs and they're all happy and laughing and singing. And I'm like, I'm going to be running to the bathroom, shatting myself because, you know, your stomach just, just horrible. And these girls are all fun in and, and I'm just like, this is crazy. And they don't even have anything for restless leg syndrome. And so I just left 
I was like, it's, you know, I'm, it's a great place for people that are not drinking, but it's just not accommodating me. And they totally agreed. And they, they even said like on the thing that I wasn't withdrawing. <laughs> it was so weird. It just shows like how new it really is still. Yeah. What year was this? This was just recent. This was just my last quit. And so since I had the three days on me, I just ended up not doing it. I have like for withdrawals, I have this mineral. Oh, what's that called? Magnesium. A spray. You can spray it on your legs like a half hour prior to bed. And that really works. And then like my hot baths, like I've got it down. I have people come in my house and help them. (laughs) I went through that and then I take, I finally take my naltroxone. And so I'm here now, but I'm still really flatlined and still trying to get into the world. Just you get that pause real bad. So I'm like that. I went January 1st of this year, Friday till Sunday, and I haven't done it since January 5th or maybe 6th. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Congratulations for a month off of Kratom. Thank you. And so today you're still feeling some pause. You're. Yeah. It's hard because the main thing people say, oh, go to the gym, go out. When you're freaking depressed, you don't, you want to hide in your bed. It's not easy to just get dressed and go to the gym. It's like, I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah. It's a circular, yeah, chicken and egg kind of thing. And you're taking the naltrexone still? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I got the shot. So then I don't have to take it every day, which is good. Vivitrol. Vivitrol. Yeah. So that's a once a month thing. And it does really, I might have the pause thing and I might be feeling schlumpy, but it totally gets rid of that, that little addiction beast in your head that says, oh, you should just go to the store. And if you do a little kratom, you could clean your house and gets, just powers that out. I have no fantasy of going to get kratom. I know it's just not going to happen. And are you doing Anything else to support your sobriety right now? I was going to, I had two therapists and I just felt like I I was just kept like this one therapist every day was, how are you doing today? And it, it was a little too much. I think it made me too aware. And to me, I just wanted, I know what's happened. It's horrible. And I'd like to just move on and instead of talk about it all the time, I think I will keep going to the I'll keep one of my therapists and then I'll go to the smart recovery meetings because I like those. But yeah, I think lay low. Like actually there were three people that were calling me and seeing how I was doing. And it's just too much. Makes you more aware of it. It's someone saying, are you hungry? Do you want a hot dog? You don't want a hot dog yet, do you? And then eat a hot dog because everyone keeps talking about it. (laughs) I think you alluded to this earlier. Do you have a history with struggling with other substances? Yeah, I, I struggled a lot with pain pills from quite quite a few years ago. I had some like injury or some something and I started taking them and I really liked them. And then when I quit drinking, because I quit smoking cigarettes and substitute, uh, like I would save some pills to where we would all go out and I would just take the pills rather than drink. And so that's how that started. And then as the years went by, I just, you know, was able to get more because back then you could get them. Like, I don't even think you can now, which is good. 
yeah, that's my main thing that I just really want to do so bad is just make people aware, like these parents, these kids, if it's fucking up my head this bad to where I'm so depressed and I'm going through all these emotions, but I know that it'll pass. You think of some teenager or some young, young adult that's taking this that has no idea that's what it is because they've been told it's so good for you. Yeah, just a couple episodes ago, we interviewed somebody that started taking it when they were 14 or 15 and during their developmental years and had all that messaging that it was all natural and safe and non-addicting. And and yeah, I think that's a big part of the podcast is to for just some public awareness and education and just such a contentious issue. As a former pro-Kratom person, how has that transition been for you with your mindset from a one to point telling all your friends about it and then to now being cautious about it and wanting to warn others how does that look for you i feel really it's just weird because like i had beforehand i had the procreatum facebook and i was active with all the people in fact when they were making it they were going to take it make it a, a felon to have freedom when they were going to schedule it, when the DEA was going to. Yeah. Yes. I knew like the main guy that was working on that and thought it was so important to me that they didn't take it away. And I just, it's just funny how I think of my mindset then that I really thought it was like helping all these people. But now I see that it's just people fighting for their heroin. And if you say anything bad about it, they're going to, no, don't say that because it risks them having them take away their heroin because that's pretty much what it is. I've heard people like that have taken heroin say that the withdrawal of Kratom as is worse, like for their body and their legs that, that they just suffer so bad. I have the, the Facebook, the Kratom recovery and just reading the stories on that. It's just unbelievable that, that nobody like we're selling this and it's just weird to me. I felt like I had a fantasy of getting these poster boards and writing Kratom kills and gluing them all over the town where the Kratom signs are. Cause we have Kratom on every other block here. I don't know. About yeah. That. I mean, I can be pretty leery about like drug wars and moral panics and stuff, but I, I think the opposite is going on with Kratom where it just, it's so under the marketing is so deceptive, the culture around it downplays all the negatives so much and there's this big gaslighting that you know about the withdrawals and about how hard it can be addictive for some people and i know everybody's physiology is different some people take it and so mild to them they do feel like it's like a coffee but there's so many more people that it just it's really strong and some of the products there's the extracts that are, are, are pretty strong but i know people that have had really potent powders and they weren't necessarily extract powders and that they report nodding off. And, and so it just, it's nuts when the program people say you can't get high from Kratom. So, I know. isn't it? <laughs> so what are some of the major consequences from your Kratom use that keeps you motivated to stay off of it today that try to remember, this is why I'm not going to do this. My beautiful daughter, because I don't want to die early because of some stupid green double grudge or smut <laughs> or whatever it is yeah yeah just wanting to live reading the posts on the facebook how it's 
giving people liver damage, kidney problems, seizures. And I went to the doctors and my kidneys are great. My liver's great. So I'm happy about that. So I'm just every day trying to do it right. So. And with your hair supplements and getting off creative, you feel like your hair is coming back? Not just yet. Before in Storia, it seemed like it came back quick and it was really thick, but now it's not really, but it's only been a month. Like, hasn't yes. even been a month. So that 11 month previous period, your hair came back. Yeah. It's only been a month. It's only been a month this time. So it's too soon to tell. So. Right. And when it did come back, it, it seemed like it came back even thicker. Yeah. Did you have any financial issues or relationship issues, kind of those things in your life with your job and things like that? With it didn't really affect my work because I didn't, I, I mainly waited till after work because I'm a nanny and so I didn't want to be high. I would indulge after or my days off a lot. And, and financially, yes, it, yeah, I realized it the last time I quit how much money I was spending on it, like the crazy amounts, like $20 for a serving. Crazy. Yeah, it was probably much more affordable when you were importing a kilo yourself versus buying the extracts. Yeah, retail. for sure. Sure. Those days were crazy. Kilo days. <laughs> Taking spoonfuls of it. Just. I know you did some art in response to your experience with Kratom. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So on the left side, I have, I, I drew of me when the first time I was getting high and they like how everyone said, Oh, it's safe as tea. It's in the coffee family. And so I have this coffee cup in the front and I have like me drinking it all Disneylandish. And then as time goes by, it turns into like black, evil, horrible ash, which that's pretty much my view of it. <laughs> can so, we share this? With, can we oh, share this visual with? Listeners? Absolutely. I've, I've never, my brother is an artist and I've never really made art, but that came out of me and I'm really proud of it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a real visualization of the experience. There's, a, I, I don't think I've talked about this. I felt like this betrayal because it worked and I had these expectations and then I felt blindsided and then it went really bad down hill really quickly and then i felt stuck it was almost like being in a bad relationship right yeah it's like we got cheated on those lifetime movies with those uh, these killers <laughs> that act like they're all sweet <laughs> yeah they're yeah and and then you don't want to believe because it wasn't like this at the beginning and you weren't expecting this and then you want to kind of get back to the good old days but it keeps Stabbing you in the back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like you get to that point where it just, your whole body is so exhausted. No matter how much you take, it doesn't matter. And you're just like. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of drug and booze experiences are like this. You first, you take it for the energy and it does give you energy. It has the reverse effect. It's then you just take it to withstand, prevent withdrawals, but, and then you're taking it to not be depressed and you would get euphoria at first, but then it just made you really despondent. Just, and fuck. Yeah. The thing too, though, it's like you go out and you buy pills or your cocaine, meth, whatever you want to do, you know, it's bad. 
you're putting it up your nose or you, you're drinking it and you know that there could be some gnarly consequences. You could die. I don't know, but you're still taking that risk. But I feel like with Kratom, I really thought that it was good for me. Like I remember going into the store just recently and this guy sold a buttload of Kratom. I think that's what he specialized in. And then he sold soda pop or whatever. And because like I lecture everybody when I go and how bad it is for you. And so I was telling him, I said, yeah, I'm trying to quit. So bad for you. And he's what? And I'm like, it's super addicting and it can be really bad for you. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, it hits a lot of people's livers. And he goes, good for their liver. And he was totally serious. And I'm like, no. I And then I like, I always stir them toward that FaceTime where the recovery FaceTime but now I'll like steer them towards your podcast, but then I won't be going in there anymore. So yeah. Yeah. There is a, it is like the new patent medicine. I've seen it promoted as a cure for almost any ailment. And I, and I have a lot of empathy Um, for people, the chronic pain community. I do believe some people take small doses and they don't get to tolerance and it, it does help them. It helps them. And I think they're, that's very true. And not everybody gets addicted. I think anybody that takes this daily will, most people will get some kind of dependence to it. You know, that, that can't be denied, similar to caffeine. And, and because it's an opiate like, will produce withdrawals and tolerance. And to cope with that, you, it's not like you're chasing high. You just take more instinctively to deal with the withdrawals and the tolerance. But I do think it's particularly, danger people who have a previous addiction they're very vulnerable to this just being a transfer addiction to whatever their previous history was totally. and, and it being touted as a cure for addiction and then when you say i'm addicted to it and then they say that's because you didn't use it it's because you're wrong with you something's wrong it, with it, your body <laughs> something you didn't respect the plants <laughs> don't, don't blame kratom <laughs> yeah and that's yeah like the even people like you said using it every day just a little bit that's it's changing their shit in their brain it's what's messing with their what is that that your happy part your endorphins yeah i think after some so many years of use it i think it has some consequences in your brain chemistry but i know everybody's built differently and i can't speak for the whole nation but there's a good number of us that are like us and yeah and so our message is you don't have to be stuck on it forever it's possible to quit you don't have to do it alone and and sometimes you don't get it right the first time and you just keep trying is there a message you'd like to tell your future self from a year from now like in february 2025 should never ever think about dabbling because it will never be a dabble that and just to just always remember that addicted heart beast in my brain that doesn't care if I keep doing it again and kills me. And the that, that part of my brain that's saying have a dabble is just, it's going to end up to where I would be on it again and suffering. Yeah, the fallacy of moderation, I've tested that out. So, yeah. <laughs> and all right. So we've been asking people questions about music for a long time. And my co-host Jacob has started asking people about travel. What is your favorite kind of music to get through a hard day or turn your day, your mood around? 
I love Blue October when I'm feeling like sad. They, his words are really awesome and they resonate to me a lot. What genre of music is that? Blue October. It's, I guess, a rock. All right. And if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? Back to New York to visit my daughter again and again. She's in the Big Apple. What is she doing there? Living in Brooklyn. She's going to start going to school again. And she's a nanny and a barista. She's a good girl. She moved there at 20. She's some big balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, never, I moved out of the small town I did and moved into my state's big city. But it is one of my regrets of not moving to one of the big cities on one of the coasts. Totally. I lived through her, like all her experiences. And I know myself, I could never move there because it would kill me. <laughs> it's definitely for the young. All the yes. And all right. So if somebody was getting ready to quit, what would be some of your top tips? Go on the Facebook, the quitting kratom, and just look at all the things like there's, you can take a buttload of vitamin C that really helps. The magnesium spray, I got that at Safeway, and that really helped for my legs more than anything. And then aspirin spray, just hook yourself up. And even with all that shit, it's, you're going to suffer and it, you're going to suffer bad, but before you know it, feel a lot better. All right. Is there anything? Oh, I have a quick, are they doing anything about doing any regulations? Like I, Walmart even is selling Kratom and it's, is there anybody on any side trying to stop that? Yeah, we're in a limbo land. Right now it's up to the states to really regulate. The Kratom lobby has a model bill that they call the KCPA and it has the bare minimum regulations around age and labeling. I don't think prioritizes just keeping it legal rather than doing some true regulation. And some states have passed that. And there's some states that are proposing to ban it altogether. Like right now, there's a bill in Nebraska that is proposing that. On the federal level, after the FDA and the DEA sort of got beaten down, they're just in a holding pattern. They're not, they're very quiet about it. They FDA just issued a study to do what's called a human abuse potential study to examine what is the addictive nature of it in humans and that might inform the process. There needs to be, I think there needs to be a middle ground. There's that at a federal level, it's either you schedule it. So it's a felony for possession, which I think is ridiculous. I don't, I don't think anybody should be Nobody. in jail for this substance or marijuana or mushrooms or any drug. Well, and something so that was legal and then all yes. of a sudden changed. Come yes. on. There's a lot of people um, on it now. But it shouldn't be sold just as like a food product. Right. With very minimum regulation, labeling requirements. And so there needs to be a middle ground. And that would take an act of Congress. And it's a battleground from there's people that are true libertarians that think that there shouldn't be anything. In the lobby, the industry has way more sway because there's all it's a profit business so they have lobbyists and there's nobody on the regulation side that has money to mount a campaign to advocate for more regulation and the pro kratom side just says there's no harms here it's, it's, it's good for you it's yeah it's good for you it's drink some tea it's good <laughs> yeah yeah so 
Yeah, at least if there was like on cigarettes, have they have that warning? Honestly, if there was a warning like that, can't say that I wouldn't do it, but I would have not been so naive to giving it away as Christmas presents to everybody. Like when I got my, yeah. studio, I, a lot of people are addicted on it now because of me giving it to them and it's horrible. Makes me feel yeah. really bad. Maybe in a state like California where it's fairly liberal and it's a big marketplace. I know the rules around a lot of products are more stringent there. So if there'd be any place to like kind of pilot a more middle ground where there's still access, but it's not sold in every gas station without warning. Babies are being born to mothers that are dependent on the Kratom. They go through pretty bad withdrawals. Oh, God, I've never thought about that. Yeah, so they're treated with morphine. Yeah, out of the hands of freaking teenagers. If you regulate it like tobacco or alcohol, those are both legal substances and there's pretty stringent processes. And with alcohol and booze, kids get their hands on it, but it's not through the internet. And they know so. it's bad. They know that this is dangerous. When they get their hands on Kratom, they don't. They want it to be all rainbows and ponies. And it's just, but I, I we can look at tobacco and how the marketing of that has changed. I think you're about my age. When I was in high school, the seniors still had a smoking patio mm-hmm. and there was a smoking lounge for the teachers when I was a freshman. By the time I graduated, those were gone. But a lot of people smoked back then and it, its rate of smoking has really reduced over the years through public education and taking on the tobacco industry. And I think it might be a long battle with Kratom. If only 5% of the population is taking it right now, all these numbers of harms are relatively low. But if we got to the point where 30% of the population was taking Kratom, there's going to be a lot more incidents of addiction, death, and things. And then the people that have died on it, those are people that they just found Kratom. But if you... Let's say I took brazepam to go to sleep and then I woke up and I did Kratom and I killed me. They would say, oh, but there were drugs found in her. Oh, they wouldn't say it was Kratom. Like it's like when these people die, it's got to be just Kratom. Yeah. It's like the death only counts if it's Kratom only. And then then they'll fight for each one of those that there must have been something that wasn't tested or there was unknown health condition or adulterated. Kratom is most deadly in that scenario, what you just described. 90 plus of the deaths are from a mix like that. The thing is, if the person took one of them their own, they wouldn't have died. So if they just took that sleeping pill alone, it would be a bit. And if they took the Kratom alone, it would probably be. But when you mix them together, your brain can't metabolize them at the same time. And that's what causes the death. Yeah, Um, like what I experienced with that horrible withdrawal with the Suboxone and then taking the naltroxone too early, but it made me realize how delicate, like I'm talking, I had taken the littlest, smallest thing of Suboxone like a week beforehand and yeah. it's still in me enough to tweak out my body, how easy your body, you can screw it up. Yeah. The only thing good about Kratom is when you stop taking it, it's not deadly like alcohol or benzos. Those withdrawals can be dangerous, but you'll feel horrible, but health-wise and risk-wise, you'll be a lot better by stop taking Kratom. 
Thanks a lot, Lori. It's been a pleasure having oh, you on. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I was so excited. I told all my friends. <laughs> yes. And keep in touch. You too. Freedom in the headlines. What is up, quitters? This is Jacob. So this week we have a media link to a replay of NPR's A1 show from January 31st, which was entitled Florida's Unregulated Kratom Market and featured the host discussing with journalists that produced the Tampa Bay Times Deadly Dose series on Kratom the Kratom industry, some of the deaths it's caused in Florida, how it's unregulated or lightly regulated, etc., which we had talked about in previous Kratom in the Headline segments and also had shared links to. So if you haven't checked out the Deadly Dose series, highly recommend that. But this was a good discussion. The host, I think, did a really good job with talking to the journalists about what they uncovered setting the tone and stage and letting the public know that might not be aware of Kratom about what it is and some of its addictive potential. And also it featured the some voice messages left by listeners. So they offered the ability for people to call in before the show and uh, provide their perspective. There were several guests that called in that explained the benefits they get from Kratom, whether that be for pain relief, et cetera. And Yes, that also explained the experience they had or that their loved ones had with the substance. All in all, I thought it was a really good, balanced, and fair overview and introduction to Kratom as well as that Deadly Dose series. So I highly recommend you giving it a listen. It's about 35 minutes long, but really good content to maybe throw on if you're just going through the internet or driving around or taking a walk or something like that. So anyways, that's it for Kratom in the Headlines this week. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Resource of the week. I'm going to share a resource that the listener who we read his email at the beginning of the podcast suggested. The link to a podcast about mindset. And on that note, I just wanted to share a story from my childhood that does talk about the power of your mind and how important it is that factoring in the influence of expectations and things like that when you do anything, including quitting Kratom. In this story, I was in elementary school and a family member took me backpacking for a week. And most of the food was like macaroni and cheese and ham and noodles and tuna fish. And we ate like bucketfuls of trail mix for lunch every day. And I started complaining about the food and this family member started to remind me and hype up this freeze-dried meal we had for the end of the week. You know, at the time I considered it like astronaut food. And I do think in the 70s, freeze-dried foods weren't as prevalent and they're more of a treat. It was told to me that this was a steak dinner and it was described as this like lavish meal that we were going to have. And I started to really look forward to it. And it did tide me through these handfuls of trail mix for lunch. And when the day came, 
we had the meal and it was delicious and I thought it was the best steak dinner I ever had. And soon after, it was revealed to me from the wrapping and label on it that it was actually chicken. And I think that goes to prove the how your mind can really interpret things based on pre-existing expectations and biases and now it might speak to that in the 70s freeze-dried foods all the meats were mystery meat and they tasted the same and maybe that was part of the case go into your crate and quit with an open mind like that and if you expect the worst you might get the worst but if you expect not too bad might turn out that way too but the truth is for some of us the creating withdrawals really sucks and the good thing is they're not permanent i've been off like 11 months now almost and the worst of the withdrawals was at the most a month i mean the really to be honest was only a week or two so in the last year the horrid withdrawals was just what is eight percent of my year so if that at top so yeah this resource of the week is this podcast episode from it's called dr junkie and this episode is called set and setting and it's his perspective on quitting creative and having the right plan and the right mindset for it and that and i the listener suggested that and i listened to this early on too myself and i think it could be helpful so just on a side note before we wrap things up our facebook page got restored i was able to reach the attorney general in my state and they were able to get in touch with meta and so we're back into the metaverse for the group page on facebook and we can still connect through there and until next time keep it creative free